Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate Rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 6, Episode 2, Redemption, Part 2. Of the last season of <laughs> Jonas, Jonas Quinn. <laughs> I did remember bits of this one. So, like, but yeah, like I said, like, Season 6 is the one where I remember, like, bits and pieces of things, but not really, like episodes except for a couple which are probably fairly obvious which ones yeah are stuck in my brain but I I did not remember and I am already totally enjoying Jonas's character <laughs> so much how like in the beginning he like tried to get in the information and everyone was just talking over over the top of him and so finally in the end he was just like I'm just gonna let you think it's your idea and I'm just gonna put this right here <laughs> I'm just gonna ask a question yeah. I'm just gonna, yeah. just gonna leave this right here. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> slide the, I'm just gonna slide the note across the table. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There is um <laughs> one of the so one of the DVD special features is like a director's featurette for this two-parter. Um, just kind of like behind the scenes thing. And it's on both part one and part two, but it's the exact same thing. And like they they talk about you know the episode itself, but they talk about you know coming back without Michael and stuff. And there's some interesting like Amanda gives a kind of candid interview about like struggling to figure out how Sam would feel about it and how to play it in a way that would feel like authentic for the audience as well about how Sam would feel about like somebody else being in Daniel's office and going through Daniel's things and stuff. And um, if you enjoy that kind of behind the scenes stuff, it's worth you know checking out they go and there's like that kind of stuff there's also then like sort of the technical how they did some of the special effects bits of things so that's cool and worth checking out if you enjoy that kind of thing i do enjoy that kind of thing okay well then you should go check it out (laughs) (laughs) i remembered to pay attention when i was watching today to watch the intro screen oh yay it was the new one okay but the funny thing was, is that if it was shot in widescreen, that's not the version they had on Amazon. They had the letterbox pan and scan square. I do not understand <laughs> what Amazon is doing. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get what happened. I don't get why they're back to airing like the syndicated version of the edit of the show. It's just, it's so weird. And I, no, I mean, nobody, like everybody online is like, what is the fuck is Amazon doing? This is dumb and bizarre and weird and but yeah, why not have a good version of the thing? Like you had the good version a week ago. Where did it go? Can we have the good version back, please? I don't know. But anyway, Mm um, anyway, should we, should we get to this one? Part two, should we finish the, the season opener? Let's do it. Okay. So this is again, redemption part two. It originally aired on June 14th, 2002. It was written by Robert C. Cooper directed by Martin Wood, who did part one. And on the commentary, we again have Martin Wood and James Titchener. (laughs) And in this episode, Sam must find a way to save Earth from total destruction at the hands of the Gould, who have turned the Stargate into a doomsday bomb, while Ryak joins his father on a mission to destroy that very Gould weapon. Yoo-hoo! Which ends up looking pretty badass, actually. Yeah, there were, there were, we'll get to it. There's, there were some interesting comments from, like, James and Martin about that weapon thing and how they feel about the final product of it. Oh, okay. So... Yes, but we'll get to it when we get to it, so. Well, let's get into it so we get there. Okay, so we have a brief recap of part one, which Martin brought up an interesting thing in the commentary about, like, these recaps are pretty much done just by the editors. 
It's not oh, written no, in it's... the script. It's not the director. Mm-hmm. It's, I guess, the editors trying to figure out what important plot points from like part one of the thing have to do with part two and pick it out, pick those out and stick them in. Which I always thought like the director would do that, but mine was like, no, it's pretty much just the the editors that do that. So uh, that is a good point. I never decided one way or other, but I do remember, you know, in some shows that I watch, like the previously on blah blah blah, so much of it just has nothing to do with what's actually going on, or yeah, it doesn't make sense. It's yeah, I never really thought about who actually decides that and puts that together. Yeah. I will say the Stargate editors, they are very good at it. Even when there's, it's, there's maybe a previously on with like stuff from several different episodes because there's maybe a plot point we haven't dealt with in a while that's coming back. It all works. It all makes sense. So I mean, kudos to them for getting it right, I guess we'll say. I like when they do it to music. I like when, (laughs) I like on shows when they make it a little mini music video. (laughs) It is fun. Yeah. Yeah, I like it too. Okay, so this episode then opens with Sam and McKay heading up into the briefing room, discussing Anubis's appearance and why he waited so long to show up. It's been like a day and a half uh, at this point since the Stargate started doing whatever it's doing. There's a few scientists up in the briefing room with Hammond, and one of them brings up the black hole incident as maybe a way of like, you know, the shaped charge disconnected the wormhole, but that was an outgoing wormhole. McKay's like, you're wrong, but that gives me an idea. And so he then like, there are certain types of matter that can travel both ways through a wormhole, like radio signals, right? And this exchange, I ugh, I love this exchange so much. It's so good. And Sam goes, so what? We call Anubis up and ask him to stop. And McKay just goes, yeah, hey, Anubis, this is your agent. You're playing it way over the top. Can you get serious, please? Like, <laughs> it's just the way David yeah. Hewlett delivers that. It's just, it's so good. I love it so much. Well, it's it's interesting that I feel like in this in this episode we finally get McKay as yes. as McKay exists from then on. Like this is yes. finally him. But it's so funny that it was such a really big turn even from part one that he showed up in part one and he was just an ass. In yeah. this one, it's finally McKay. And yeah, I just thought that was so funny. Yeah, I and I do wonder, we'll get to that in a, a little bit, if it, like, Sam getting injured because of something that was his idea and his plan maybe kind of shocked him a little bit about, like, oh, shit, this is, like, actual real stuff and it's not just theoretical physics or whatever. Like, this is actually real with people that could get hurt. Yeah. Maybe kind of maybe, shifted yeah. his point of view a little bit. Maybe, yeah. Possibly. Anyway, so, no... Uh, but what McKay wants to do is send an e-impulse through to disable whatever's on the other side. Sam had thought of that, but dismissed it because they have no idea what it is on the other side that's causing this energy flow into the gate, so they don't know how big of an e-impulse would be needed, and also they would have to open the iris, and that would just be bad. And, well, since she doesn't have any better ideas, Hammond basically gives McKay the go-ahead to get the EM pulse generator thing set up, and Sam has until that is done to come up with a better idea. Which is always a great plan of, okay, you have that long, you have until he goes through with his idea to come up with something else. Yes, or tell me why it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but at this point, it. but they're kind of like, we have to do something, because... They have nothing up until this point, so. 
So we come back from the opening credits and we're back on Chulak and Braytac believes he has identified the planet where the attack is coming from. So that's where they're going to go. And Ryak then says he's going with them. Like he doesn't ask. He's like, I am going with you. Like he's ready for this. That thing, you know, they'd accused him earlier of, of like, you've never been in battle. So how can you complain about all this? He's like, okay, let me come. Let me go into battle and prove myself. I'm ready. So, okay. All right. Yep. Okay. They're come. Yeah. And one of the things I like is this is still the same Ryak actor. Like a lot of times when it's maybe been a few years, they might like recast or maybe the original kid isn't available or something, but it's one of the things that sort of touched on in the like the behind the scenes featurette about how this is the same kid. So like Christopher Judge and this actor whose name I'm forgetting and I'm so mad at myself, but like they kind of have a similar relationship that like Tilk and Ryak have of like, you know, watching this kid grow up and stuff. And yeah, it's really cool. I like it. Yeah, I yeah, I remember him from the previous few times we've seen him, but it hasn't been the, him the whole time, has it or has no. It? It's been the, the yeah, it's been the same it? the whole okay. time. Same same actor for Ryak the whole time, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Which is really great, yeah. Nice. Um, a bit of time later, back at the SGC, and Sam goes to see Hammond, and we Jack is in the office too. And the only news she has for them is that opening the iris would increase the energy flow to the gate by like tenfold, and would probably cut the time they have to the gate exploding like in half. She unfortunately has no ideas about how to stop this horrible thing from happening, and Hammond is then like you need to get over whatever this thing is and work with McKay to figure this out. Cause that's the only way we're going to solve this problem is you two working together. Like, True. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Tilk and the crew have reached the planet and they immediately cloak the ship as they drop out of hyperspace and note that it is very heavily guarded. And there's like, I don't know, seven or eight motherships we can see. So there's probably more like we can't even see. So that's a good sign that like, this is the planet that this weapon is on. Mm -hmm. Uh, they're going to try and ring down and hope that they have surprise on their side. We see McKay and Siler getting the EM pulse generator set up in the gate room when Sam comes in. McKay, McKay tries some more flirting via insults and Sam is just like not having it and like rightly so. And But it's like, I don't know, this is like the fun snarky McKay, like as you said. Like there's a, there's a bit that's a little like, oh, I don't like it. But it's, it's not as bad as it was before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so McKay's like, I guess you're going to take credit, but should we save the world? And she's like, and Sam's like, maybe we should point the EM pulse generator like at the gate first. Then we can save her. I was like, <laughs> good. Uh, good. Yeah. Uh, banter. Yep. Back out in space, Tilk tells Ryak that he's going to stay on the ship with Shaq. And I'm just, I'm just calling him Shaq because it's Shaq. We're just, we're just going to be Shaq. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And Ryak's like, why am I staying on the ship? He's like, I'm ready. I'm prepared to die. And like, okay, while Ryak might be prepared to die, Tilk is not prepared for Ryak to die. So you're staying yeah. on the ship where it should be safe. But then, but then the cloaked ship has been discovered. Apparently Anubis <laughs> somehow has the means to detect cloaked ships. So Shaq take, yeah. Shaq takes evasive maneuvers and like starts to, you know, head down towards the ring platform. And since the ship is now in danger, Ryak's like, I'm just in is as in, I'm just in as much danger on the ship. So why don't I just go with you? So Ryak's gonna head down to the surface with Tilk and Braytek. When they get through the rings, there are of course Jafar raiding by the ring platform. So Braytek tosses a grenade, like one of those like shock grenades 
towards them. And then more Jaffa start filtering into the little clearing and like fighting starts and going on and they're doing okay. Ryak takes a hit to the shoulder and then, you know, Tilk takes out that Jaffa. Braytag takes out more. All of those other Jaffa have been taken down. So they need to move and get out of there. Yep. Move quickly. Mm-hmm. Time for the SGC to try the EM Pulse. So the iris opens, the energy increases pretty much immediately. They send the pulse through and no, nothing. nothing. It doesn't work. Not a, not even doesn't a, work. Not even a little bit. Nope. However, we get some kind of lightning energy beams, something coming back through the gate, strikes everything, including getting like into the control room, even though the blast door is closed. Hammond orders the iris closed, so Sam puts her hand on that, like, the handprint iris closing device now and gets, like, shocked with a big blast. She gets knocked out. McKay, rightly so, appears to be a little chastised and seems to turn into, like, actual concern that, like, she'll she'll wake up, right? Like, she's going to be fine. She's going to wake up, right? It's like, like oh, crap. Oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is the part where, like... I think McKay, it's a little bit, it's, it's a little bit of a coming to Jesus moment for McKay, mm-hmm. I think, seeing this happen. FYI, from this point on, I shall be referring to the grouping of Tilk, Braytek, and Ryak as TBR. Because saying <laughs> Tilk, Braytek, and Ryak over and over again is going to be a little too much. So they you are. You want to try to mix them all together like to Bryak or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should have. To Bri- <laughs> No, I'm going with TBR because that's what my notes to say. Brytac. So. <laughs> yeah, that's funny, but no. I kind of okay. like to Brytac. To Bry. I'll put that in the show notes for you. Okay. <laughs> to Brytac. So TBR are trying to make their way like towards the gate and the weapon, but the path is heavily patrolled, so they need to stay hidden. Bryak's wound is wound is pretty bad, but he'll live. And he asks how Tilkum Brytac didn't get hit, and it's you know because they moved around a lot. Also, they're very lucky because they're the leads on a TV show. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's in the script. (laughs) Because it's in the script. Yeah. Um, So back at the SGC, Sam's getting bandaged up in the infirmary when McKay comes in. And he does seem generally concerned for her and if she'll be okay. He then shares a story about how when he was younger, he wanted to be a pianist. Insert giggle. Yes. All the way around. (laughs) Yes, and he's he's like a concert pianist. Man plays piano, um, and technically he was very good. He was like one of the best, but he had no like art behind the technique. So he turned to science, thinking you know it's a more logical thing. It's technique, blah blah blah. But it turned out that science was kind of the same as piano, and there's an art to it. And Sam is one of the greatest artists he's ever met. So. He's a little jealous because he knows that one of her completely wacky ideas is going to be the thing that saves the day. And it's like, you can see Sam's a little uncomfortable with like this sort of genuineness coming from McKay. And she's like, what is happening? Why? Why this, are you is to, like, this, this is worse than the flirting. I don't yes. like this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like this anymore. Um, we do also learn here that they did, in fact, cut the time in half to like the gate explosion. So we're down to about 25 hours. So what now? Well, first Sam needs to get dressed and McKay just like won't take the hint to leave because Sam has to get dressed. Mm-hmm. And apparently Mc, apparently McKay's line about, do you want me to hold something was all like David. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> 
So TBR finally get to the gate and we see it surrounded by these large stone structures that are linked by and also emitting some sort of energy beam thing that is being fired at slash through the gate. So th this is the weapon. This is the thing that is going to explode the gate on Earth. And Tilk recognizes it, recognizes it as being ancient in design. And Ryak's like, who are the ancients? So Ryak fills him. So Tilk fills Ryak and the new audience in on who the ancients are. Which I kind of, I mean, I get it for the show, but it seemed odd to me that that wasn't something that was brought up before in the whole, they're not gods, they're taking everybody's stuff and claiming it as their own yeah. scenario. Yeah. How? Yeah. Especially, like, like to Ryak. Stargates. They, yeah, they didn't build Stargate. This isn't their stuff. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, okay, that might be a good thing, because if it's not Gould in design, if they can destroy it or disable it, then Anubis likely won't be able to rebuild it or get it going back up quickly and start the attack again. So, okay, cool. No, cross your fingers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, more crossing of fingers. Um, so Ryak's going to stay undercover since he's injured, and Tilk and Braytech are going to go try and disable it. So here in the commentaries where we get the discussion about how they didn't really like the finished effect of the device, and uh, like James Titchener mentions that they really should have built a model for some of these shots at least. And part of the problem they say they have is that the the gate is the thing that's doing the bad thing to Earth, but with how they've built this structure, the gate is like in the background and doesn't really feel like it's part of this weapon and it feels sort of separate from what's happening to Earth. Like it doesn't feel like the gate is connected to the weapon because it's sort of behind a whole bunch of rocks and not really in the foreground, which I don't I don't know. I don't know. How, how do you I feel about know. that? I don't know. I I don't know. I kind of disagree. But I mean, obviously, it's their design. It's how they feel about it. But yeah. I thought it was part of it because of the energy they have going around the whole area. For me, was a was a good visual of the the device shooting yeah. at the Stargate. Yeah, seemed I think all together with yeah. The whole I think they mentioned even if they just sort of like turned it like sort of like if if you can remember how it looked in the show just turned it like 180 degrees so the gate was like just closer to the camera even mm -hmm. if it was still the same distance away but it was just closer to the camera so even then like so then the beam is firing at the gate which is then then sort of towards the camera may yeah. have okay yeah been slightly more effective yeah 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 true so back at the SGC, we see those two scientists arguing again over various like insane plans they have. And McKay still thinks they're morons. And he also wonders what Jonas is doing down in the gate room. Because he's just kind of standing on the ramp, staring at the gate. Yeah, looking around. Looking around. With coffee. I love how the whole time he's It's tea. tea. It's tea. It's tea? It's tea bag. Oh. Yes. And oh. yeah, okay. Martin actually mentioned that he's like, he's the stupid cup into somebody just like grabbed it out of his hand at some point. Oh really? <laughs> apparently Nobody that was like a, that was it. like that was like a Corin thing, which was uh like they meant it probably supposed to be the sort of like alien acclimating to Earth stuff, which I mean it does make sense for the character, but I guess from a directing show shooting standpoint, it was a little annoying. <laughs> so he was like, get their club away from it. But anyway. Mm, I thought it was really funny. I know. I like it too. I don't know. 
so Sam goes on to talk to him and she's like, guess you regret coming here. He's like, well, can't, can't really do anything about that now. So it's not worth thinking about. Um, but the main thing he's wondering about is how the gate got in the gate room because they're in the mountain and the doors obviously aren't big enough to get it down in there. And she's like, well, it's a missile silo. The ceiling retracts and there are cranes that lowered the gate down into the position that it's in. And he's like, do the cranes go up? And Sam's like, well, you know, taking the gate out of the gate room won't shut it down and there's nowhere on earth that would... Oh, ah, Sam, ah, ha, ha, yes. I love yeah. this exchange so much. Me too. Because Jonah's just so, just so casual of like, huh, how'd you get it in there? Oh, okay, it's in a really big missile crate. Does it go back up? Back up. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I love that exchange so much. It's like, oh. Yeah, it's it's kind of one of those things where it's like the outside perspective because they've lived with it for so long. It's like the uh, the gate is where it is and that's it. That's the gate's home. They don't mm-hmm. think about it being in a missile silo because it's just the gate room now, you know? Right. Yeah. So you just need somebody who's like, this is weird. Tell me about this. It's like, oh, let me mm. get it out of the mountain. Get it out of here. Yeah. Um, so we have a quick cut back to the other planet, and the device, of course, is protected by a force field. It wasn't, it wasn't going to be that easy. There's no way it wouldn't be that easy. Of course not. Mm-hmm. And so back at the SGC, they head up to the briefing room and tell everybody what this new crazy, insane idea is. And it's just crazy enough to work. They're not going to just take the gate out of the gate room. They're going to send it up into space on like the X302. Like you do. Because... Why not? If it's not on Earth, then it's fine, basically. So, but there's less than 24 hours before the great reaches, like, the energy reaches critical mass, to, and so explosion happens. And so, according to Sam, the timing breaks down like this. So there's two hours to get the gate to the surface, four hours to get it to Peterson and load it onto a C-17, two more hours to fly to Area 51, where a 747 will meet them in Nevada, which then leaves them 16 hours to get the whole rig mounted and airborne. So, so and, what are we all doing sitting around? I know. It's like, let's move, people. Let's go. Chop, chop. Get to it. So Sam does share the credit with Jonas to Hammond and reminds Hammond that if this works, they won't have a gate. Like that's, yeah. yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Interesting predicament to have, but not the first time they've had it. So. No. But <laughs> the problem this time is that the Russians have, have the other the gate. gate. It's not just like sitting in a storage cabinet somewhere. So right. that's, mm. you know, another little kink in the cog here to mm-hmm. deal with. Yeah. Back on the other planet, Tilk and Bartek have been discovered and there's too many to fight for them to fight off. So they are captured. We then cut back to the SGC and we see the gates being taken up to the surface and Chekhov is there trying to negotiate with Hammond for the SGC to rent the gates the Russians have in their possession in exchange for full disclosure of the X-302 technology and, you know, rent, like money. And according to Hammond, that's not going to happen. They cannot risk reconnecting the Russians' gate because Anubis could start this all over again if, and it's a big if, they are able to actually destroy this gate. Like, the Russian gate has to stay offline. They're they're not going to, like, reinstall a gate. That's not happening because... Who knows what's going on out there? Yeah. I liked this exchange, too, where, mm-hmm. where they're like, oh, well, okay, looks like we're top dog. And Hammond's just like, no, no, no. uh-uh, no can do. Yeah. it's not. No one's having a gate. 
yeah, I kind of like the introduction of Chekhov because Hammond hasn't really had a lot of adversaries to deal with. Like there's been, there's like, you know, Simmons and, um, oh crap, what's his name? The, oh, the senator. You know who I mean, Ronnie Cox. I do, but of course I don't remember his name. You know, they're, but they're like, you know, U.S. governmental Kenzie? people. Huh? Kenzie? Ken, Kinsey, 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 um, but they're all, but they've been all like sort of U.S. governmental people, so it's been kind of like, eh, not really a big deal because he's got the president on speed dial kind of a thing, but the fact that this is like an entirely separate government and a separate guy who's pretty much his rank in his government that he has to deal with, I think is fun for him and to get to play with that dynamic now. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm. So Tilk is dragged before one of Anubis's Jaffa and interrogated, but he gives up nothing. Well, almost nothing, and it's not intentional, but he does kind of give away that the boy they know is with them means something to him. So the Jaffa then calls for, like, the boy to be covered and Braytek to be brought in so that they can fight to the death? I was a little unclear about, like, who he was going to be fighting to the death, whether it was Braytek or the boy. I... I was a little I was a little unclear what on um, what the fight to the death thing meant. Is he gonna fight Tilk to know. the death? I, I I don't know. I'm make I'm, them fight to the death? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like to make Tilk and Braytac fight to the death. I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know. But that confusion could be explained by the fact that this scene was added way later because the episode was a little short on time. So they had to add really? something in. Yes. That's funny. Yes. <laughs> also, the scene at the beginning with Braytac, like at the gate and figuring out that, oh, this is the planet that the weapon is finally in, was actually part of part one. But part one was long and part two was short. So they took that out of part one and stuck it in part two. That's funny. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, so Sam is giving Jack the rundown on like what's going on with the X302 and what he's going to need to do with this whole thing. And so one of the issues is that the gate weighs 64 thousand pounds which is way heavier of a load than the x302 was ever designed to carry so just getting it up and far enough away is going to be tricky and she kind of just like keeps giving him all of the bad news about like how hard this is going to be and he's like stop stop i don't stop telling me the bad news also she does mention like if they do pull this off then like jonas deserves something because this was all his idea. And he's like, what, what does he deserve? Like, he's like, he's not ready to deal with Jonas at all in this. Yeah. Like, no. And anyway, like, it's all going to be fine. Like what could possibly go wrong as he continually punches the elevator button and the door doesn't close. Which, Which I thought to myself, like, was that an outtake that they just made work or was that actually part of the script? No, that was all Rick. Okay. Yeah. All Rick. <laughs> yep. Because, because <laughs> in the script, it like, it has, they talk about in the commentary, it has in the script, like Jack entering the elevator and continuing a conversation with Sam. And Rick was like, why isn't the door closing? And Martin's like, oh, because your foot is there holding the door open. Like Jack's foot is holding, as you do sometimes. Mm-hmm. So he decided to just then play like the door just wouldn't Let close. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, back on Anubis's planet, we see Ryak overhear some guards talking about taking Tilk and Braytek to the rings in order to get them up to one of the motherships in orbit. And then sort of notice a glider flying overhead. And as you see, he's thinking about something. So he slings off like sort of through the underbrush. Like he's, Ryak's thinking something. He's coming up with a plan. The gerbil's turning in there. Yes. Yep. So Jack's at the hangar. 
And uh, uh, this is going to be interesting. So in order to make the X302 light enough to have a chance to get like up where it needed to go in orbit, they had to remove the following parts. The weapons, yeah, it's fine. Some of the life support, it should be fine. The radar, yeah, okay. The crash safety features, yeah. Um, and the landing gear. And Jack's like, I'm sorry, the what now? <laughs> what now? When were you going to tell me this? He's like, I'm telling you right now. So <laughs> apparently, so the landing gear... Like, the other reason they had to remove the landing gear is because that's where the gate is mounted, like, up underneath the ship. So, basically, when Jack comes back in after, like, releasing the gate out into space, he's supposed to aim the X-302 to crash off the coast of Florida, and then he jacked. It's like, that's awesome. Great. Fantastic. And so they step outside, and there you see the X-302 mounted on top of a 747, which is how they used to get shuttles up into the air like there are there are photos of like shuttles on the back of plane it's really cool like they really took that from real life and i love it and it's yeah it's pretty awesome so yeah uh good luck jack yeah have fun have fun so we get a quick cut back to ryak as he continues to make his way like through the undergrowth and finds the well it's not glider bay because it's at sort but basically like the field where like all of the gliders are being housed when they're not being used right so it's time for the flight of the X-302. The 747 gets up to altitude and Jack separates, but almost from the get-go, things don't go well. Like the ride is super shaky. He's like, it feels like it's falling apart. He just, he can't get high enough. The engines are burning out. We get alarms going off. He fires like the main rocket booster way earlier than he was supposed to. And it's it's not enough. He's not going to make it. He can't get out of orbit. He's going to fall back to Earth and basically hit off the coast of Europe. It's like, whoa, what? Like, what? All now? of these things are not good. Nothing is going no. the way it was. This is just bad. And yeah. McKay's like, why don't we put the X-302 into like a nosedive, crashed into the middle of the Atlantic? It might help a little bit, but probably not enough. And again, it's that thing of like, well, it's an idea, right? It's something. Mm-hmm. We then a quick cut back to Anubis' planet, and we see a glider attack the, like, rank of Jaffa that are taking Tilk and Braytek to the rings, and it's Ryak! He saved them! He stole a glider and saved them. I love how in this scene, you see Braytek and Tilk are, like, amongst all of the Jaffa. Then you see the glider coming in, and it's shooting and shooting and shooting, and somehow Braytek and Tilk are the only ones that are fine. My axe a really good shot. What can I say? <laughs> it is a little like really. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I thought that was so but funny how they're okay. how like oh shooty shooty everyone's running everyone's running and all of a sudden Teal'c and Braytac are just like huh oh okay we're good <laughs> yeah good I'm good all right cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, like dust off the <laughs> yep mm-hmm. yep all good we're fine yep. <laughs> So back on Earth, Jack does not like the nose that the nosedive plan. He's like, "What about the hyperspace down there?" Like, it doesn't work. It's like, well, it did, just not how they wanted it to. But also, he's still like in Earth's atmosphere, and who knows what opening a hyperspace window would do? And nobody's really on board the hyperspace window plan. And then again, Jonas pipes up and is like, "You know, the instability problem." Yep. yep. <laughs> The instability just has to do with, like, how big of a, like, a, a a window you need to make, basically. And it's like, oh, yeah, like, 
we don't need the window to be open that long. Like even a second in hyperspace would get them millions of miles away. So Hammond gets on the phone to the president. I, I'm not sure why. I don't, I don't I'm not sure why. Approval for it? I don't know. I don't you would know. think at that point in time, the president would be like, do what you got to do. Just, I don't care. Yeah. You have authority to do whatever. Yeah. One interesting thing in the commentary. So in the scene, they're in the like the briefing room and on like that back window where there's that drop down screen. Now they have like Dr. Murphy from Area 51 there. And they actually shot that live like that actor was just like down the hall in another room and was like basically that like the, the was basically being like beamed into the briefing room like in real time. So it was like oh. the conversations they were having with him were happening like live if you will. Oh, fun. Yeah. I always like when they're able to do that because it's a lot more than like shoot an actor here and like how long do they have to pause for another actor to say that? It's always a little weird. So yeah, when they can do that stuff like in real time, it's always cool. Yeah. Yeah. So we have the countdown is now at 11 minutes and they're going to give Jack's like hyperspace window plan a try. But first they have to rewrite some programming because the generator wasn't meant to open a window for only one second. And that's going to take a few minutes. So Jack's just going to keep falling. <laughs> I love this is one of those hacker scenes where it's like I'm in and like blue, 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 hacking into top, top yeah. secret Pentagon computer. Five yeah. minutes. We'll have it done. OK, good. Yeah. <laughs> Back on Anubis's planet, Tilk and Braytac watch as Ryak flies the glider, fires at the weapon, but like misses. And then we see other gliders swoop in and start to attack the glider that Ryak is in. So back at the SGC, the new programming has been written and uploaded as the countdown reaches a minute and 54 seconds. So they're, they're cutting it real, like real close here. Uh, um, but basically all Jack has to do is like activate the hyperspace window generator and the program will do the rest. So Jack gets things set, ejects, the ship enters the hyperspace window, the ship goes through. So it's gone. It worked. There's no signs of a parachute, though. But then we do see signs of a very large explosion and deep space radar telemetry confirms that the gate exploded over three million miles away. Yay. Oh, my God. They did it. It worked. So, holy crap. They can see that much of an explosion from 300 million miles away. Three million. Three million still. Yes. But, yes. It should have taken a little bit longer for them to see it because, you know, the speed of light and everything. But yeah, yeah TV, you know, whatever. TV. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's a parachute. The cockpit module appears to be intact. Crews are moving in for retrieval and Jack's okay. He's conscious and waving and everybody's fine. <gasps> oh my God. Yay. Yay. And apparently the archival footage they used was the Apollo 13 splashdown. <laughs> you see. That's <laughs> Apollo 13. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's funny. So there you go. So back on Anubis's planet, the gate has shut down because it exploded on Earth. So that's all fine, but they don't, they don't, you know, they don't know what's happening there. Ryak's ship is then under attack still from the other gliders. He does though manage to hit that main part of the weapon that's right in the center of it all. But then Ryak's ship gets hit. Tilk is like, oh my God, my son! And like tries to like run towards it to save him, but Braytax like stops shouting. Him. He starts yeah. shouting at the ship, like Ryak's gonna hear like, him. You can't do anything, <laughs> it's fine. And then, but then the cool thing is like the whole weapon, like around the gate, sort of like 
implodes and then explodes, creating this like massive crater around. Which looked, like looked cool. It did look very cool. I liked yeah. it a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will say the one thing missing though is them like going to like find Ryak from his crash yeah. ship. I know. Because then we just have some time later, like Ryak suddenly at the SGC or like on the ship with them. And it's like, how, like was he injured? Like how, you know? Like how how did that all happen? How did that all happen? That would have been nice to see them actually then get off the planet. I think that would have been a much better cutscene for a short episode. Ah uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's it for the SGC. The SGC is basically closed and done unless they can figure out some way of preventing this from happening or at least having a way to, if it does happen, a way of like cutting it off without having to just wait for the gate to explode. So this seems like a really odd time frame, though. I mean, what what sort of time frame is supposed to be between that happened and like everybody packing up boxes and being like, well... Okay, we had a good run, you guys. It was good. Like, <laughs> yeah. Nice on Thursdays. <laughs> they do talk about that in commentary of like, and they don't say how long it's been, but they do mention like, uh, there has been some time has passed because they mentioned like, okay, the gate exploded like so long ago, kind of, as far as like TV shows go. It's been like, you know, five, six minutes since the gate exploded, and we still have so much time left to feel the sort of wrapping up and they're like yeah it's kind of weird because the action's over and done when usually that kind of thing would happen like at the very end of like what they call act five but it happened at the end of act four so this whole like act five to fill with just like stuff that is quite far removed from the actual action yeah so, yeah, they don't, but yeah, they don't say how long it's been, but they do acknowledge it's a weird time. It is a weird time. Thing. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but McKay is sure that Sam will figure something out and he offers to help in any way he can, if he can, and they shake hands. And then, and then Sam <laughs> kisses him on the cheek and he's like, like oh my God, you don't one on him. She does. It's great. And he's, he's like, you don't hate me. And she's like, it's too bad because I kind of thought you were more attractive when I did hate you. <laughs> Which I love that quip, too. Like, oh, too bad. You were hot when I hated you. you like, okay. Like, yeah. Gah! <laughs> but yeah, like you said, like this, this is this is the McKay that I know and love from yeah. like the rest of the yeah. series in Atlanta. They finally, they finally landed on McKay. Mm hmm. So Hammond is packing up his office and Jack is there. And basically the president is willing to give Jack any posting he wants. And Jack's thinking about something on a boat. Not the Navy, just a little something with some oars on it. It's, Hammond's basically retiring too. He was supposed to retire five years ago. And who knows how long the SGC is going to be closed for business, basically. But mm-hmm. Hammond's like, and there's still teams stranded out in the galaxy. <laughs> Which is like... Very good point. Yes. What about all of those people? Like, were they yep. able to get word out somehow? Like, does anybody that's not on Earth know what's going on? If it's been that long, yeah. Oh, and if they especially are like, no, no, we can't turn the Russian gate on. Yeah. Oops. Like, were they able to get a hold of the Tokra somehow and be like, hey, Dad. Sam's like, hey, Dad, help, please. Like... Especially, like, if a team's in trouble, they can't... I mean, there's the alpha site, so I guess they all know to go there. But were they able to get word to the alpha site about what's going on? Like... Mm-hmm. So many questions! 
I know, kind of a few too many for me. Better options for a short episode cutscene. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we were able going, to. How? How do we contact people? Yes. <laughs> um, and then the phone in Hammond's office rings, and they're getting a communication. Which, for, like, from who? From what? What's going on? So Hammond and Jack head down to the control room, and Sam meets them there. And it's Tilk. Uh, he's there Yay! in the ship. He tells them that they destroyed Anubis's weapon. And, yeah, it was kind of close here on Earth, but all is well. And Tilk requests permission to land the cargo ship. Permission's granted, of course. Jack congratulates him, and Tilk says that it is, in fact, Ryak who deserves the thanks. So kind of, it kind of mirrors, like, Ryak and Jonas kind of have, yeah. like, kind of the parallel storyline this episode, which, like, hmm, hmm, yes. Mm. <laughs> but so this is also what makes the timeline weird. It's because they show up as if it's been, like, a day wearing, yeah. you know, like, the same clothes and looking, you know, fresh <laughs> Well, they are Jaffa. They have their their uniform, you know. But, I mean, if it's been, let's say, two weeks or something, like, that ship had no food or water or fuel. They probably stopped by Chulak (laughs) on the way to Earth. I imagine they they, they probably stopped by Chulak to clean up and get some supplies before they flew back to Earth. Or something. I mean, hopefully. Because they just kind of show up like, hey... But hey. yeah, it's it's really weird. They show up as if like they've been gone for like a day or two. Yeah, some mention of like I can't believe it's been three days since the gate exploded or something. Something. Something would have yeah would have been good to sort of solidify like yeah like how long it's actually been since all of this happened. Yeah. So sometime later we see a gate being lowered into the gate room through the missile silo on the cranes, and apparently all it took was oh. some. Good old-fashioned American dollars, and the plans for the X-302, and the plans for the X-303, and, like, one other thing. But they have a gate. And since they know the weapon was destroyed, it's fine to, like, hook up the gate, so. Yay. And at least... Cold, hard cheddar. And at least the SUC now has the original point of origin back in their gate room. So all of those, you know... The, all of the wrong dialings from the last however many years can can be forgotten because we have the original gate back. <laughs> back in action. We have the original Geezy gate back in the mm. SGZ. Anyway. So now there is only one Earth gate. Yes. Okay. Correct. The that was the uh the Atlant um Antarctic. I was gonna say Atlantic. No, Antarctic gate mm-hmm. that was blown up. Yes. Okay. So Ryak is now at the SGC with oh, Tilk. Wait a minute. And, what? Yes. But what? Russia still has the DHD. No, the DHD exploded in 48 hours. Oh. Okay, but they saved right. Tilk. Yeah. So there is. Oh, right, 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 yeah. right. It did. Okay. Yeah. So well, there's remember. there's no DHD and one gate. Hmm. Okay. So things okay. are as they should be. Yay. <laughs> yes. Um. So Raytac or Ray Raytac. <laughs> too many apostrophe C names Jibriac. in the Jaffa Nation. It's too much. <laughs> I can't. I can't. My brain can't keep track. Anyway, um, so we see Jack, and now we also have, and we have Jack, which doesn't help with the k- noises here. So we see Jack, Ryak, and Tilk walking in the hall. Like Jack and Ryak are talking, and it's like really cute. And Jack's like, "Don't why? Why do you want to leave? Don't you want to like hang around here for a little while?" And like, "No, 
Ryak's going to go off and join Braytac on spreading the message of all the free Jaffa. And it's, you know, it's really great and sweet. And anytime you see Jack interacting with children, it's great. Um, and then, like, Tilk and Ryak hug and all is well and off they go. Yay. We then see Jonas find Jack and is like, I would like to talk, please. And Jack's like, thanks for all your help. Okay, bye. See you later. And so just like, no, I'm like, we, this, I'm, I'm through so with this rude. attitude from you. Like, we're going to like hash this out. Yes, Daniel's gone. It sucks. If Jonas could go back and change things, he would, but he can't. And Jack's like, fine, I don't blame you. You're free to go about your thing. And Jack's, Jonas is like, I just want to move forward from here and prove that I can help and I can make a difference and I can be good for the SGC and just like, just give me a chance to prove myself. Just a chance is all he wants. And then Jack just like kind of steps into the elevator and lets the doors close without saying anything. So what, um, I thought that was a very interesting speech. Um, what part of it do you think actually convinced Jack to be like, okay, I think maybe the part where Jonas is like, I didn't do the thing I should have done. I messed up and I want to be a, be a better man. Like I, I think it, Jonas kind of admits like he wants to be the man he thought he was, but then was proven he wasn't mm-hmm. by Dr. Jackson and wants to not really make up for that, but be like, I can be that person. I can do the right thing and be the bra- and do the brave, like the brave thing, if you will, and just prove himself and help and yeah, step up and do the right thing. I think. Yeah. Step it up. Yeah. Because he because because he didn't step up and I think he feels bad about that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So in the commentary. Martin talks about they very deliberately set this scene in the same place on base that Daniel was last felt as that like breeze at the end of season five. Like this is Ah. like, this is that same little elevator bay where Mm -hmm. that scene happened at the end of season five. And that was a very deliberate choice. Oh, okay. Different camera angles though. Yes. Different camera angles, but yeah, but like same location and we'll get into the camera angles. In just a second. Oh, okay. another thing. Here. So. Oh, man. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we then get Jack called into Hammond's office. And so remember that, like, other thing that the SGC had to agree to in order for the Russians to give us their gate? Turns out that other thing is having a Russian on SG-1. And no. Mm-hmm. No. Jack's like, can't we, like, give them their own team? Like, just have a whole Russian team? Like, that would be fine, right? That would be fine. Which I'm surprised he went there first. Like, no, 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 just give them their own team. Because that's, like, more access to everything. Like, they can't monitor what they're doing off-world. But Jack doesn't have to deal with them directly. Right, yeah. I know that was (laughs) the point, but still, it's like, oh, what? Yeah. And Hammond's like, okay, you know, but SG-1, like, you still need a fourth member. And Jack's like... I've already selected somebody as the fourth member of SG-1. We cut to the gate Who can room. it be? Who can it be? Who can I it be? I wonder. So we cut to the gate room. We see Jack, Sam, and Tilk there when Hammond enters, wishes them luck. And then in comes da, 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 Jonas Quinn. Yay! And like he has on the helmet that everybody used to wear. And he's like, how do I look? And Sam's like, lose the helmet. It's fine. We don't need the helmets anymore. It's all right. 
but he is in the green that everybody else is wearing. So good call there. I thought so, that was funny to put that in there. Yeah. Yeah. So Jonas swaps the helmet for the cap and off they go. They go. And this, like the camera moves, the placement of the actors and the characters here is the exact same shot that was used way back at the very end of Enemy Mine, season one, episode two, where Tilk was formally made a member of SG-1. So, ah. like, put Tilk in place of Jonas, and it's the exact same scene from, like, a actual, like, camera filming perspective. <gasps> I have to go watch that now. I know. I'm like, I need to go back and watch it. I didn't have time. But, yes. I'm like, mm. that's, that's cool. That's very cool. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So... And that's the end. Jonas is a member of SG-1. Yay! Yay. MLA season of Jonas begins. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my final fun fact, this was nominated for a Gemini Award as well for Best Visual Effects. Really? Well done. Yeah. Um, Okay, lingering question from the internet, which is a very good question. I'm kind of mad at myself that I didn't think about it. Why would the ancients build a weapon that uses a gate to destroy a gate? Oh, okay. Here's, I did think of this question and then it lost my, it was lost in my brain when we, because we started talking about like the design of it. Okay. Tell me. But I, I did think of this question of like, why would they build something that destroys a gate with another gate? I don't even know. I mean, (laughs) Because, you know, every time they talk about the ancients, it's this all, you know, civilized, evolved, benevolent, good, benevolent people. But it's so it's a really interesting perspective to be like, oh, no, they were either protecting themselves from each other or somebody was like, oh, I'm going to take over or something. Or so I kind of started to wonder, like, okay, is this is this like when you build a weapon that can kill Superman where you're like, I hope I never have to use this, but we need it. Yeah. Or was it intended to be used? Yeah. And I think one of the things that might clear that up is I've never been really clear on what the overlap of the ancients and the gold are. Like, were there still ancients around when the Gould, as we know them now, because we know they were in several forms before, but, like, as we know them now as sort of the taking human hosts and conquering the galaxy thing, was there overlap there? And that's why this weapon was built. Because... Oh, to try and defend themselves against the Gould? Yes. But I don't don't know what that overlap is. And if there is any overlap or if the ancients were like long gone before the Gould started doing their Gouldy thing. I mean, I feel like the general communicated feeling is that they were long gone because of the fact that nobody actually knows how stuff works or why. Okay. Yeah. Like it doesn't even seem really like the Gould do. They just kind of pretend to. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so if it's not to defend against the Gould, then why? Or is is it is it a case of they were trying to do something else and it turns out it actually does this, as sometimes happened with te- uh, technology and things. Of yeah. Like, you know, you try to do something else and no, wait, it actually does this thing instead. Whoops. Well, I'm trying to think what else they would want it to do. Yeah, I don't know. If you're trying to send energy 
What would what would be a good idea of sending immense amounts of energy through a gate? Uh, to power things on the other side of the gate? Like maybe there's supposed to be a receiver on the other end for some purpose, but without a receiver, it just makes the gate go kablooey. Maybe. Like a radio, you know, like a radio, radio kind of thing. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What do you guys that think? Is a why, good question. Yeah. Why? I, why does this exist? <laughs> my my first impression was the kind of more of like coming up with a weapon to kill Superman kind of thing of like we really 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 hope that we never have to use this, but. but. <laughs> yeah. But, okay. I mean, it's interesting, too, with the design of it compared to the Stargates, right? Because the mm-hmm. Stargates are, like, elegant and kind of futuristic and beautiful and whatever. And this was very dark. Yeah. Like, almost the design of it was, like, evil, you know? It wasn't. It didn't look like, I mean, that could just be the spin Anubis put on it. We don't know. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah. it, it didn't look like peaceful technology (laughs) (laughs) that's true yeah 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 we don't we don't know if if it's something that was actually designed that way or if if anubis was just like hey yeah i can use this thing to blow other other things up so possibly yeah the guldar are very good at corrupting you know innocent and peaceful things and making them weapons yeah so possibly who knows who knows Send thoughts. Mm. Yes. Please let us know. Again, all the foreign territories were just redemption part two. So there's nothing fun there, unfortunately. <laughs> it wasn't Jonas Quinn joins us. She won. <laughs> nope. Okay. Nope. Yeah. Okay. So. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, okay. So this, this, this episode kind of like really like kicks off season six. We sort of wrapped up the big stuff. How are we feeling about, like, where we're going from here with, like, Jonas and, like, new plot lines and all of that stuff? Mm-hmm. What are you thinking? It's going to be a fun adventure. Yep. I thought I thought it was a very good, knowing the context now of this also was a transition to an entirely different network. So not mm-hmm. only were there cast changes, but also, um, you know, also trying to keep an existing audience introducing themselves to a new audience while kind of creating a new era in multiple ways, if you will. I thought, I thought it was good. Okay. Yeah. I agree too. I think this is a good, yeah. Good kickoff to a new season and everything. And yeah, Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yep. See where it goes. We'll find out because I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to say this every single time. All right. All right. Okay, well, thank you everybody for listening. As always, you can find us on Instagram at SG underscore rewatch and now on Discord. Please check for the link in the show notes or you can send us an email at woo, that's W-O-O-S-G rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for Descent. Bye. Bye.